Well, good morning. <clears throat> it is wonderful to be with you, and thank you, Pastor Clinton and the leaders, for the kind invitation to Irene and me to be, to be here with you on this incredibly special occasion. We're delighted that our son Jonathan and his wife Nikki and our grandchildren Jessica and Ethan could be with us as well this morning. And uh, our daughter Sarah is serving up in Yemen and our daughter Judy is here in Johannesburg but was not able to be with us this morning. But what a joy. The problem with masks is that you can't, I can't recognize half of you. <clears throat> Although in some cases that may be a blessing. You probably wish I was wearing a mask. But uh, that's uh, what time does to us. But uh, your 40th anniversary theme, celebrating God's faithfulness, is, is such a fitting one, isn't it? And in the weeks leading up to today, you have celebrated God's word as Pastor Clinton uh, focused on that. You've celebrated God's great salvation uh, led by Pastor Shane in the Word. And then last week, uh, as Kyle opened the Word of God, you celebrated God's church. And today, as we reach the, the climax of the month of celebrations of 40 years, we're celebrating God's faithfulness. And my sermon outline is very simple. I want us to see Christ's faithfulness declared in Scripture, and then I want us to see Christ's faithfulness illustrated in Honey Ridge. So that's not too hard to remember. Christ's faithfulness declared in Scripture and Christ's faithfulness illustrated in Honey Ridge. So let's think first of all of Christ's faithfulness declared in Scripture. The longer I study the Bible, the more convinced I have become that the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is probably the most important book in the Bible. I say that because Hebrews ties together the Old Testament and the New Testament. It helps us understand both and their relationship to one another. It, con it connects the dots, so to speak, and that helps us make sense of both testaments. Now, you may not be aware of this, but the book of Hebrews is actually a written sermon. A recent book on Hebrews is titled The Model Sermon. Hebrews is a written sermon. We don't know who the preacher was, but we know what his purpose was. He was writing to a congregation of believers from a Jewish background, Jews who had become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were going through a time of severe persecution and they were under pressure to turn away from Christ and to turn back to Judaism. And so this preacher preached a sermon to them, wrote a sermon to them that encouraged them to remain true to Christ. He warned them of the dangers of turning away from Christ under pressure. 
and he and he 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 sought to show them that Christ was greater, Christ was superior to Judaism and to the old covenant. And uh, so he opens up in the most wonderful way the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he begins his sermon with one of the greatest Christological declarations in Scripture, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And then he follows that by powerfully arguing that Christ is superior to all the angels. And then he argues that Christ is superior to Moses. And he goes on and argues other ways in which Christ is superior. So I'd like to read just Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 4 and then Hebrews 3, 1 to 6 because that's where we want to focus just a little bit in the light of our theme today. But you can't, start, you can't read Hebrews without starting at chapter 1 verse 1. And there's no introduction, not like the other letters of the New Testament, Paul, an apostle, to blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. He goes straight in. And he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then go to chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and you'll immediately see as we read these verses their relationship to what we're doing today. Therefore, chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Now, it's, it's difficult for us in living in this age, and even more so if you're not really familiar with the Old Testament, it's difficult for us to appreciate 
how great Moses was to the Jewish people. I mean, Moses was number one, obviously under God. But Moses was number one. And in verse 2, the writer of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews, affirms the greatness of Moses, you'll notice, by comparing him with Jesus when he says, he, that is Jesus, Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house, or in all God's household, all God's people, the people of God. But then he goes on in verses 3 to 6 of Hebrews 3 to show that Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Now, why is he preaching this sermon? Because there were Jews who had become followers of Jesus who had been tempted to turn back to a system where Moses was the greatest, not Jesus. And so he says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. And so he contrasts Jesus and Moses in two ways. First, he says, Jesus is greater than Moses just as the builder of the house is greater than the house he built. The illustration of the builder being greater than the building he builds speaks for itself. And the person who designed this building is greater than the builders, is greater than the building. The designers and the builders are greater than the bricks and the mortar and the steel. So the central point here is that Jesus is superior to Moses because Jesus is the builder. Moses is part of the household, part of the people of God. Therefore, he's saying to these Jewish believers, therefore, Jesus is Moses' builder. In short, Jesus made Moses. So Jesus is worthy of greater honor. And verse 4 makes explicit just how great he is. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now verse 3 says that Jesus made the house of God. Verse 4 says the maker of all things is God. Conclusion, same as chapter 1. Jesus, the Son of God, is God. That's how great he is. And then this second contrast. Jesus is greater than Moses, just as the son over the house is greater than the servant in the house. Jesus is greater than Moses just as the son over the house is greater than the servant in the house. Verse 5. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ, here's the contrast, but Christ is faithful as the son of over 
God's house, over the people of God, over the people of God in the Old Testament and over the people of God in the New Testament. Moses was a servant in the house of God. Jesus is the son over the house of God. He is superior. He is greater. The difference between a servant and a son is that the son by inheritance owns the house, is lord of the house, provides for those in the house out of his wealth. But the servant doesn't own anything in the house. The servants follow the word of the owner. The servants receive provision from the owner. And so again, Jesus, as the son, is superior to Moses in these three ways. He owns the house of God. He rules the house of God. He provides for the house of God. By comparison, Moses is just a servant in the house of God. He doesn't own it. He doesn't rule it. He doesn't provide for it. Now, the church of Jesus Christ is the house of God today. Which means that Jesus, this morning, not just back in Moses' day or in his own days on earth, but this morning, is our maker, our owner, our ruler, our provider. He is the son. We are the servants. He is the son over God's house. We are the servants in God's house. He is our maker, our owner, our ruler, our provider. We are the household of God. Moses is one with us as a servant in the house of God. Jesus is Honeyridge's maker, owner, ruler, and provider. Christ is faithful. That's what the text says. Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house. So today, as we celebrate 40 years of Honeyridge, we are celebrating Christ's faithfulness over this house. And to him be the glory. Amen? Now let's think about Christ's faithfulness illustrated in Honeyridge. I have enjoyed reflecting on this as I've prepared for today. Honeyridge is one local church, one part of God's house, God's household. And for 40 years, Christ has been faithful over this house. Irene and I had the privilege of being servants in this house for 16 and a half years. And so naturally, as I think about God's faithfulness to Honeyridge, I will think mainly about his faithfulness 
during the time uh, we were here, because those are the illustrations I know. But uh, I'll trespass a bit beyond that, um, as you'll see. Christ was faithful before we came. Christ was faithful while we were here. Christ has been faithful since we left. And Christ will be faithful until he comes again. That's the wonder of his faithfulness. So his faithfulness continues in the same way, but the stories will be different. That's all. So let me share with you some ways in which I have seen Christ's faithfulness illustrated in Honey Ridge. First of all, I've seen and I see his faithfulness illustrated in the ordinary. Forty years of Sundays... I'm always a little nervous to talk about figures when I know Garth Coppin might be around. Um, but, uh, and he knows how bad I am at maths. So, but 40 years of Sundays, according to my calculator, means 2,080 Sundays. Don't get hung up on checking on me, okay? Listen to me, all right? 2,080 Sundays. Times two or three, if we're thinking about services, because probably for 35 of the 40 years, we've had three services on a Sunday. Minus a bunch, of course, for lockdown. That messed with everything. That's, give or take, 5,000 church services. Not an exact number. Round about there. And every Sunday... The doors have been unlocked. The lights have been switched on. People have gathered. People have been welcomed. Hymns and spiritual songs have been sung. The word of God has been read and preached. Prayers have been offered. Communion has been served. Baptisms have happened. People have talked to one another, encouraged one another, prayed for one another. Relationships have been deepened. Add to that all the other ordinary activities of church life. Sunday school, youth groups, homes groups, seniors gatherings, committee meetings, on and on and on we could go. Church life is made up of a collection of ordinary things. And as we heard so beautifully in the testimony of Kyle and Heather, God used those ordinary things, repeated week after week, year after year, decade after decade, to save and to sanctify his people. And Christ has been faithful in the ordinary. Most of church life is ordinary. Sunday comes every week. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, it's, just, it, it's just ordinary. And that is so, so amazing. And in the ordinary, Christ has been faithful as the Son over God's house. And many of you, and many who have gone before, 
and those who will come after will be faithful as servants in God's house. So Christ, oh Christ, how great has been your faithfulness in the ordinary. And then second, I've seen Christ's faithfulness illustrated in missions. From the beginning, thanks to the legacy of our, found, of our founding forefathers and mothers from Randburg Baptist Church who planted Honey Ridge, thanks to the evangelistic heart and zeal of our first pastor, Errol Wesson, Honey Ridge has taken the Great Commission seriously, right from the get-go. And Honeyridge has taken seriously Christ's command to pray for the Lord of the harvest, to send laborers into his harvest. And early in our ministry here, we were made aware of the 1040 window and our responsibility to the unreached people groups of the world. Early on in our time here, we formed a missions committee, we drafted a missions policy, and we began praying that God would raise up people from our own congregation that we would be able to send to, the un, to some unreached people groups around the world. And before God called any of our own members, we adopted Sebastian and Corin Fleur because they were working amongst an unre... They were South Africans, so we could build a relationship with them. They were working amongst an unreached people group, the Imwani, a Muslim people group, across the border, up in central Mozambique and initially on Ibu Island, working, translating the New Testament into that language. And then we adopted Dave and Sandra McMillan, we're working with WEC amongst the Buddhists in Thailand, one of the great unreached people groups of the world. And then came our own that God, in answer to those prayers, raised up from among us over time. The Shipsters. Took 10 years from the time they first sat in my study and told me of their call to missions before we sent them to Bolivia. 10 years. These things don't happen quickly. The Shipsters, the Phelps, the Buck and Smiths, the Abbots, the Bremners, who were sort of our own because Dave grew up at Randburg Baptist and his parents were here, so we kind of, Bremners kind of belonged to us more than Durbanville Baptist, for heaven's sake. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and then on and on in the years since then. And uh, more recently, our dear Alper Titek. Interesting story there. A couple in Ferndale Bible Chapel, where I'm now serving, led him to Christ. I baptized him at Rosebank. He ended up here, and you sent him to Bible College and sent him to... France and then Turkey. Wonderful to see the, the hand of God in these things. But our eyes were not just on distant places and on unreached people groups. Every week for years, 
evangelism teams went out, EE3 teams went out from Honeyridge, sharing the gospel with people in the community around us. Kingsway School was established, and Tondanani House of Refuge, as a follow-on from that. Joan DeSmit, who founded Kingsway School, lived with us for 18 months. And so we had a window every day on what was happening at Kingsway in those, in those early days. And then after we left, Pastor Justin led those amazing youth mission trips. And you heard about it in that wonderful video of his that you watched last week. And of course, uh, Pastor Harold's mission trips to Zimbabwe. Many of you were part of those. Uh, book has been written. That's the stuff of legends, what you have did in Zimbabwe under Pastor Harold's leadership. Honeyridge's commitment to missions allowed me to serve as chairman of the Baptist Missions Board for nine years. And it made it possible for me, and you made it possible for me and Irene to visit 12 countries around the world doing missionary retreats. And we were enriched by that. And in turn, you were enriched as we came back with stories from all over the world of what God was doing, whether it was in the Congo or Cameroon or Thailand or India. And then missionaries from as far afield as Cameroon who had medical crises would come to Johannesburg. And we hosted them. And we served them. And we cared for them. And we were enriched by those contacts. And then speaking of missions, let's not forget about the Honey Ridge diaspora. People who have been saved and discipled here who are making a difference in churches all around the world. You know, as South Africans, we can get a bit bleak when we hear about somebody moving to somewhere else. I mean, oh, we're leaving South Africa. But I tell you, in 2003, Irene and I were invited to speak at a Bible conference in New Zealand. And while we were there, we had a reunion of 25 ex-Honeyridges in Auckland. Boy, did we have a party. And they were all involved in local churches, all making a difference, all having been influenced by being part of this church family. In that same year, Irene and I were invited to speak at a missions week in a church in Chicago. Why? Because Pete and Christine Taylor, who had been part of Honey Ridge, are in that church. They were heading up missions when they were planning a missions conference. Pete said, oh, we can invite our old pastor. He doesn't live too far away. He's only in Victoria in Canada. And so we went and... and, and so the influence of the, of the Honey Ridge diaspora is, is profound. And then let's not forget the men infused with the Honey Ridge DNA that God called into pastoral ministry. Rob MacDonald, Lionel Gibbons, Jeff Milligan, Gavin Wood, Nick Cleveley, Glenn Thompson, Bruce Clacker, Malcolm Cunningham, Tony Mason. Both Mark Morell and Ross Lester were part of Honey Ridge in their youth. 
Michael Phillips served for two years in Thailand and for the last more than 10 years has served as the head of communications at Rosebank Union Church, a huge gift to that church. He grew up, as the Afrikaners say, he had voor ons groot geworden. And then there's James Queno finishing up his PhD at Wheaton, preparing for ministry in academia. Gareth Brady in seminary in the USA at the moment, planning on heading into pastoral ministry. Missions, especially, especially to the least reached peoples of the world, has been part of the heart of Honey Rich from the beginning. Christ has been faithful as the Son over God's house. And you, like Moses, have been faithful as servants in God's house by supporting and sending and praying for missionaries who've gone out from us. Oh Christ, great is your faithfulness in missions. Then number three, I've seen Christ's faithfulness illustrated in joy and in pain. The Bible teaches us that God is sovereign over both the good and the bad. Ecclesiastes 7.14, when times are good, be happy, but when times are bad, consider this, God has made one as well as the other. Isaiah 45, 7, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. And this means that in any local church, there is always a mixture of joy and of pain. And Honeyridge is no exception. And our years here were filled with joy and pain. And in both, we saw Christ's faithfulness as the sun over this house. And we saw your faithfulness as servants in this house as you cared for those in pain and as you rejoiced with those who rejoiced. As I look back on our 16 and a half years here, the joys are too numerous to mention. The church growth, as we saw people coming to Christ and being baptized, new people coming as this area exploded. I mean, when we started here, there was hardly any plots around here. And... uh, We planted flowers at the front and the cows would come and eat our flowers. You know, this was the the countryside. But then the development started and people started moving into this area. And people would say to me at pastors' conferences and at the Baptist Assembly, wow, Honey Ridge is growing. You must be doing something right. I said, listen, the place is growing so much you really have to screw up not to grow. And it was an exciting time of, of growth, of acquiring more property, buying the next door property where the, where the White House and where Kingsway is. Um, 
building more buildings, family camps, special Easter services. I mean, we could go on and on. So many joys, so many joys, fun, marriages, new babies. Speaking of marriages, in my years here, I conducted 131 weddings. Many of them young adults, many of whom met in this church. Some of them met in our home, in our young adults Bible study group. It's great to have Jono and Nikki, our son and daughter-in-law, with us today. Well, this Wednesday, the 1st of December, they celebrate 25 years of marriage. Can you believe that? That is wonderful. And, they, and they've got a whole bunch of friends who were married around the same era that they're still involved in one another's lives, friendships that were, that were established here in the Sunday school and youth and young adult eras. I always phone couples that I've married on their 25th anniversary, wherever they are in the world. Uh, so you can expect a phone call from me on, <laughs> on Wednesday. But alongside the joy in the church family, there is pain. Always. And I could keep you here for hours with stories of pain experienced in this church family in the first 20 years. And Pastor Harold could fill in the next 20 years with stories of pain that has been experienced in this family. I could tell of horrific motor accidents, of gruesome murders, of tragic suicides, of armed robberies, of troubled marriages, of painful divorces, of rebellious teenagers, of prolonged unemployment and grinding poverty, of miscarriages and birth defects, of infertility and unwanted pregnancy, crippling illnesses, and of darkness and depression. We had all of that, many times over. In my years here, I conducted 157 funerals. There were times when I conducted a wedding and a funeral on the same day. A weird mixture of emotions going from one to the other. But again and again, in both joy and pain, we saw Christ's faithfulness as the sun over God's house. And in both joy and pain, we saw your faithfulness as the servants in God's house. As you cared for those in pain, as you loved them and supported them and took their meals and prayed for them. That's the wonder of this thing called church, the local church. Let me indulge in just two more brief illustrations of Christ's faithfulness that I saw at Honey Ridge. I saw Christ's faithfulness illustrated in restoring the broken. Local churches are miraculous and they're marvelous but they're also messy. You see, where there are sinners, there will be sin. That's just the way it is. 
and sin leads to brokenness. And I recall one horrible period in our 16 and a half years. I can't remember exactly. I could probably figure it out if I needed to. One horrible period of months and months. I can't remember how it might have been a year when I found myself involved in counseling a number of couples, more than a handful, where one member of each couple had become involved in an extramarital affair. It was a brutal time. Sessions were filled with anger, with rage, with disappointment, with guilt, with shame, with threats, with promises, and lots and lots and lots of tears. Took up tons of my time. In fact, I can remember being so tired that I just felt like my face would just fall off my skull. I don't know if you felt rather gruesome, but that's kind of how I felt. But again and again, through that time, I would see our faithful Lord coming into those messes and bringing hope and healing and health. It was a back and forth process, three steps forward, two steps back often. It was ugly, it was messy, but Christ came into those situations. And my reward came a few years later at a communion service. I was, sitting, I was sitting over here. I wasn't leading the communion service. I was sitting probably about uh, where you guys are, maybe even here. And Herbie Staples was leading communion, same communion table there. It was donated by a lady called Vilna, who sadly later on in a time of dark depression took her life. That was the communion table, and we were sitting here, and Herbie was leading communion, and I was sitting over there. And he, talk, he was reading from Isaiah 53, the part where it talks about, by his wounds we are healed. And from where I was sitting, I looked out across this, it wasn't sort of social distancing, people were packed in, it was a second service, church was full, and from where I was sitting, I saw five couples sitting together, taking communion together. That Christ, our faithful one, had restored. And I sat there and I said, what Herbie is talking about about the power of the blood of Christ to cleanse even the deepest and darkest sin is absolutely true. And I've seen it work. And sitting there, I was the only one who knew who they were. Nobody to this day knows who they are. A team of horses wouldn't get that information out of me. But he did it. It was the most amazing time and we saw that again and again oh Christ were all marriages healed no were all messes cleaned up no but some were 
some were. And that gives us hope to press on. One last thing. I have seen Christ's faithfulness to Honey Ridge illustrated in protecting. Early in 2001, I resigned from Honey Ridge having accepted a call to become senior pastor of Central Baptist Church in the city of Victoria on Vancouver Island in Canada. Shortly before ending my ministry here in mid-2001, a lady who'd been part of the church, vitally involved in the life of the church, a godly woman, they had moved to a church on the f- further away in the city because of their work and because the, of their kids' schools being closer. But she phoned me up. We continued to be friends over the years since they left Honey Ridge. And she phoned me up one day and said, uh, Lee, can I come and talk to you? And so we made an appointment. She came across to the manse in Asgai Avenue. And... Uh, In the course of our conversation, she said this. She said that as she was praying for me, she sensed that the Lord wanted her to tell me that after we left Honey Ridge, the church would go through a very difficult time. But that I was not to worry because the Lord would would protect the church and that the work we had done here would not be lost. That's what she said. I thanked her. Truthfully, I didn't really know what to say. I'm, I'm quite conservative when it comes to those types of things, as you know, uh, whatever you might choose to call them. So I shared it with Irene, and I tucked it away in the back of my mind, and off we went to Canada. But in time, her words proved to be true. Because the decade that followed our departure was a difficult and divisive time in Honey Ridge's history. The youth ministry under Justin's leadership flourished, and we shared about that in the video. They saw so many young people coming to Christ and getting baptized. Uh, Other areas of ministry flourished, but there were times that were really rocky especially behind the scenes. Three years after leaving for Canada, we came back to South Africa, to Rosebank Union Church. And as the years unfolded, I began to hear rumblings about problems at Honey Ridge. And the steady trickle of hurt and disillusioned Honey Ridges began to show up at Rosebank. And I loved them dearly, but it gave me no joy to see them leaving Honey Ridge and coming to Rosebank. And in time, the crunch came. And those of you who were here then will remember a difficult but decisive church members' meeting was held. And thanks to the guardrails provided by a good constitution, wise and courageous leadership by the elders, and the majority vote of prayerful and loyal members, Honey Ridge was protected. Sadly, there was a split 
A sizable number of people departed, leaving Honeyridge wounded and wobbling. But Christ, the faithful son over God's house, began his work of healing under the gentle and wise pastoral leadership of interim pastor Derek Stone and then Pastor Stuart Craner and the hard work of committed pastors and elders and faithful members. And in time, health began to be restored to the church. Color returned to her pallid cheeks and laughter was again heard in the hallways. And growth began to happen again. Oh Christ, great is your faithfulness in protecting your church. And today, as you celebrate 40 years of God's faithfulness, you're flourishing under Clinton's godly and gifted leadership. You're healthy and happy and hungry to be faithful servants in God's house. Thanks be to Christ, the faithful son over God's house. So in the words of chapter 3, verse 1 of Hebrews, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, as you move into the future, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. God bless you.